Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, GU corner, halfback, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Rock, we got a complete Seahawks game with no fourth quarter shenanigans, winning the game in the fourth quarter on Saturday night, and... A lot of standouts. I really liked what I saw out of Marquise Blair. What did you make out of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, is this question number one? Or yes, is this it is. Just kind of setting the table for the rest of the time. A little bit of both. Hey, by the way, as far as the Mariners conversation, I like Baez, but you know what I like more? Starting pitching. Starting mm. pitching. Starting pitching. Starting pitching. Starting pitching. Uh, yeah, Who are you Mar- going to buy? Who are you going to buy as a starting I, pitcher, though? Yeah, I know. That it's not a tremendous a tremendous market. You never know how gonna, that totally unfolds. Kikuchi, right? Uh... Yes, yes, uh, you are, Brock. Don't uh, make that noise. You're not uh, gonna. You're not gonna get a pitcher better than you say Kikuchi for fifteen million dollars. Been quite a precipitous slide, Danny. Yep. There's num- numbers you can spin any which way you want to tell his story, both good and bad. So, I, I, these this month September pretty big for Mister Kikuchi as this team's in the race. Like I, I don't think three or four starts or makes that decision completely. But this stays off the tracks as it's been for the last two months. I'm a little worrisome about that investment, but we're here to talk football. We're not here to talk yes. any, any more baseball. Marquise Blair, ooh, Paul, I liked him. And I got to tell you, is and, and this was some of the plan last year before that torn ACL, was they were really going to try to be, I think in some ways, ahead of the curve. Not even outside the box, but ahead of the curve with the with the systems that they're facing, the Shanahan system, with, with Debo Samuel, with, with all the jet sweep, with all the little Rams guys that, that bubble screen and, and jet sweep you and little option routes. I, I think there was a belief from Pete and his staff that Marquise Blair was was that was that system's kryptonite. Mm. Physical off the edge. You okay, you wanna run jet sweep? Run right into this guy that will absolutely tear your head off. Twitchy enough in space to cover little option routes and long enough as well at six foot two, you know, six foot three. And then finally, just just an ex, just explosive, just just able to to cover, able to hit, able to finish, able to have a presence on the edge at that nickel, kind of big nickel position as he would be. And then unfortunately, all of that derailed with a significant ACL injury. And nice to see him. And like most ACLs, it takes a while to come back. I know he had a nice OTA season, was slowed with some injury during camp. That didn't surprise me at all. So this will be 100% about his health because if he is healthy, I can't wait to watch that dynamic play that position against this kind of offense in this division. Can he turn and run with dudes? Yeah, He's I think have so. to do that, right? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I, I think he is plenty fast enough, Danny. I He's pretty. He's a pretty unique specimen, man. As far as just his his explosion, he was a guy that I loved a couple years ago when they made that pick, because having called college football, which I'm doing again this year, I'm kind of excited about and get a chance to see so many of these guys. He was the one that man. He was John Lynch esque as far as his short area explosion. He would just knock the lights off you and out of you and everything else. So. And on top of it, could run, could play, and, and did play a ton of a high safety center field, sideline to sideline for Whittingham there at Utah. So this is all about his health, the comfort that he feels in those legs, and, and just how close all of that explosiveness is to coming back. Sure looked good on display over the weekend. You can knock someone's lights out. Yep. 
or turn you their can, lights off. You you can beat the brakes off of them. You can't knock the lights off of someone. Are you sure? What if you yes. turn those, What if you turn their lights off and they're just uh, yeah, unconscious? Yeah, okay, that works. That works. <laughs> okay. Like Tyron Woodley failed to do with Jake Paul last night. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, golly, why does that guy keep winning, Danny? Because it's fixed. <laughs> like I didn't think this before. It's fixed. <laughs> He's a boxer who's not fighting boxers. Yeah, yeah, but even then, even then. Even then, he should have he he should have lost. I, I, there's no explanation. Didn't for he fight why. Mayweather? Didn't he fight? No, that's the other one, and that uh, was fixed too. Okay. <laughs> like, there there was a moment where it was pretty clear that Floyd Mayweather knocked him out. No, they're they're, they're paying people money to be uh, be allowed to remain relevant. Reality Can't knock the TV. Hustle. It, it's a grift. <laughs> uh, question two. All right, Brock. What's your scouting report on Daryl Taylor? Well, you heard Mr. Wyman, Mr. Dave Wyman, he of of the DNA that hates scouting terms. Danny, yes. when, you, when you worked with him for all those afternoons, how much disgust came out of that salty old linebacker's mouth when he would hear Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and Daniel Joe Mama say things like bend, knee flex, angular. Honestly, how frustrated was Dave Wyman in those days with, with scouting nomenclature? Yeah, he doesn't care for that. But what he really hates is talking about uh, the five technique or the three technique or the one technique. <laughs> okay. Like, that's what he really hates. Where well, did you... like, hey, hey, he played five technique, but he really struggles at three technique. He's like, oh, really? So if he lines up on the other side of the fat guy's shoulder, yes. like you're on one side instead of the other, he's like, oh, I have no idea what to do here because I'm six inches to the left. That was what really drove Did you hear Dave, though? Did you hear no, him talk, about, talk ben? about Ben? Oh, yeah. On Daryl Taylor's sack, he's like, see what I'm talking about? Look at the low center of gravity. Look at his bend. Most humanoids fall flat on their face if they try to, to run and, and bend at, at the level that he does. And I was like, oh, Wyman, look at you, little scout. Put that little scouting hat on, Dave. You're, you're, or you've been listening too much to the personnel guys and the scouts in that building. But it's true. It's true. When he dipped and ripped, and they call it kind of speed to power, which he has, but more importantly, just beating that left tackle off the block in a loud venue, which is why you drafted Bruce Irvin, which is why you drafted this guy, because you have a half-step advantage at home when the 12s are cranking, which they were on Saturday. And he was able to get off the ball, albeit against a, a backup left tackle for the Chargers, but he embarrassed him and, and dipped and ripped and got below him and was bending in ways that I don't think there's another Seahawk that could do that. I think of every one of those D-linemen, as proud as they are, Walked in your studio there and tried to make that move. And you said, okay, right? They, they run around that hula hoop. You, you see them do that at practice, that huge hula hoop. That's why they do that. They want to see your center of gravity, your balance, your, your ability to dip and bend and still run at full speed. I don't think there's another Seahawk that can do that. Mayo is probably close. Um, Dunlap does it differently with his size and length. As far as just explosion, and balance and body control, Daryl Taylor showed you why he was a second-round pick. He has been working on that specific move all camp, Brock, and it's been interesting to see the progression from where he was at the start, where he still wasn't able to turn the corner quite as quickly as you want to see, but now that bend that you mentioned, his ability to get that left shoulder down when he's running off of the right side, you want to see a pass rusher develop one great move before they That's start right. diving into other things. I heard Chris Long talking about that this offseason. Yep. And if he can get that one move 
then after that, potentially he can unlock other ones. So it's great to have like that one foundational if you're going to compare it to like a pitcher well, pitch that you have to go to on a regular basis. Absolutely, Paul, and especially that one. Because if you have that one, you strike a ton of fear into a left tackle. Who knows, man, i got to get off the football and get my hands on this guy or he's going to be by me and all I can do is hold. And in playing in that stadium in particular, you put that thought into a left tackle, it's false starts, it's holding calls, it's frustration. And then from that one, you know, then you put on the spin cycle. And that's what Dwight Freeney. I mean, Dwight yeah. Freeney was, was short, but when he made that move, Paul, and I got to watch that for two years in practice, I mean, you just felt you felt bad for those left tackles or tight ends. You had almost no chance. There was no surface area to try to get your hands on. And with the quickness and speed and power that they do it with, yeah, man, that, as I said, it's why you traded up in the draft to go get that guy. Brock, are they going to use that position differently? Because strong side linebacker has typically not been a pass rush position in Seattle. With Daryl Taylor in that spot, are they going to use it differently? I don't think so. Those were in the in the second half were both when he was just that you know nickel four down pass rusher on the end, okay. hand in the ground. That wasn't from base defense. And um, could they still do that, Danny? Sure, they, they absolutely could, and play a little zone pressure behind it, and and you could. But then you're coming around a tight end. Right, you know, and, and there's just a, a lot more ground to cover, real estate to cover. His his damage that he did was a little more your traditional second and passing, third and passing, eleven personnel on the other side, nickel pass rush, right? Kind of what Bruce Irvin did when he would flip from strong side linebacker into that mode and passing downs. I miss Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. That's all. So so does Rabel. No, Bruce! (laughs) Question number three. Brock, Danny and I both think this is the case, but we are basing it off of one preseason game. Alex Collins definitely looked better than Rashad Penny on Saturday night. It's not like Penny played poorly. Is Alex Collins better as the backup running back option for the Seahawks in 2021 than Rashad Penny? I think right now that answer is yes. I I think Rashad has a still higher ceiling. I think he's I think he's more home run capability. Alex Collins is to your baseball analogy earlier with a pitcher is a lot more doubles and doubles and doubles. Uh, whereas Penny it feels like it's a single or home run. There's very little in between there, and and I I think that he's done. If this is about competition and compete every day, Alex Collins has been durable and available in camp. He's come down slimmer. His feet look as good as they did back in the day in college when I saw him multiple times rush for over a thousand yards every season for Brett Bielema. And by the way, shout out to the Illini. Big win over Scott Frost over the weekend. So, yeah, I I think going into this week, uh, uh, messy, messy deal. And going into this week, (laughs) the message that sends to your team as well is you got to go out there and earn it. Don't care that you're a first round pick. Uh, You've been out, Rashad Penny, which has been the case for the entirety of your career as a Seahawk. Alex Collins has come in. He's done everything we've asked, and he's shown some some highlight real plays and and some incredible quickness and in the feet that uh, that made him a, a thousand yard back in Baltimore. So I think he's going to be the two in Indy, and Rashad should be the three. And and then whether it's Homer or DJ Dallas or whatever special teams machinations there are for this roster to be determined. But I think those are your top three in that order. You've also got. Travis Homer factoring into this, DJ Dallas. Is it yep. possible you trade a running back? And I say this because Baltimore just lost a running back. Good. Dob- J.K. Dobbins is expected to be lost for the season. 
do you, do you cheat, deal a guy? You're probably not going to get more than a fifth-round pick for any of the running backs you have on the roster other than Carson, who you're not going to trade for that. And you probably wouldn't trade Collins for that at this point. Do, do you consider dealing a running back, though? You got a corner out there that you like? Ooh. Ooh, good point. Mm. So, good you know, I, I think obviously they make the move with Reed, a guy that can that can run, a seventh-rounder, kind of kind of like that. But can you package a running back and maybe somebody else in an area of, of some strength? for another corner you know is there or you know a a running back and you know a six round pick for a better corner I don't I don't know I mean those are the conversations being had in that building today got to set their roster by tomorrow be pretty shocked if we don't see somebody from another team come into and make this 53-man roster out the gate as far as I think there'll be a there is a Baltimore corner that actually might be on the market too his name's Sean Wade anyway sorry Danny That'd Ooh, be, he's the old Ohio State corner, yes, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, man, that'd be interesting. I hadn't thought of that until you brought up the idea of trading for somebody. Like, that would be... That, trying to make you think, Danny, Paul. Yeah, no, that, to, that's really good. What happened in Nebraska? Like, it, <laughs> let, let, me ask, let me ask it this way. Husk. It's a really good thing that Nebraska was having all of the um, illicit practices, like where they had the, the different guys working with them because they got in trouble for it, right? Like it was COVID pandemic times and they're having practices because if they hadn't done that, it might have been really embarrassing against Illinois. You know the parallel, the, and it's, it's a pretty strong one. It's a pretty strong Tyrone correlation. Willingham, Husky era? Nope. Jim Harbaugh and Scott Frost at Michigan and Nebraska. Incredibly proud and and pretty not pretty dominant brands in college football in the 80s and 90s national champions in the 80s and 90s and guys that played in that era in the 80s and 90s when the when the program was foundational with Shim Beckler and 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 Tom Osborne and those two I mean that that's kind of my feeling and my sense going into that game I thought Illinois was going to win you know they dominated them a year ago Nebraska has no speed no playmaking other than the quarterback. <laughs> Seriously, there's nobody that fe- strikes any fear in you whatsoever as a defense. Kind of like Michigan, frankly, has been yeah. with Harbaugh over the last few years. And it, and then it all falls on the quarterback, and it's all about the quarterback. And then the quarterback feels that, and then what happens? He's going to make mistakes and play that way. And those two, the, the chosen sons coming back, the people that if anybody's going to build the brand back, if anybody understands Michigan, if anybody understands Nebraska, it's Jim Harbaugh and Scott Frost, and unfortunately neither have been able to find enough difference makers on offense to scare you and, and to, to complement your team and put a full team together. The one thing you're wrong about, though, is the unfortunate part. No, it's not unfortunate. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I love watching it. And, and Harbaugh, Harbaugh's been much better than Frost has been. Oh, for and, sure. And that, and that, might, be, that might be a reflection of the situation. Frost won a national championship. What are you talking about? No, as a no, coach. No, at UCF. With yeah. Central at Florida. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But, like, once he got there, I mean, I mean Harbaugh's, Harbaugh's basic thing is they've been good, but they can't get great. They just right? can't beat and Ohio he, State. Yeah. <laughs> they just get Or Florida. Or, or, yep, yeah. Or top it's 10 ranked teams. Yep. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. We got Alabama playing Miami this weekend out out <laughs> Florida. Which which game do you have this week, Brock? I have LSU. Ooh, Zach Fumble, Zach Fumble, Brock Hewitt. Yes, at UCLA in the Rose Bowl Saturday night. This oh, man, is. I'll bet. I'll bet UCLA is really, really up for that game. I mean, they handled Hawaii so convincingly; they got no problem with LSU. <laughs> right, right. They're gonna get big run. one, big one for the brand, Danny. Back to pack, big one for the brand. Yeah, sure. I'd like to see it happen. They're they're going to lose by forty. 
they won't lose by 40 unless you ain't that good, but they'll, they'll, they'll it won't, it isn't Hawaii walking through that door. <laughs> Gosh, Hawaii they're going to lose bad. by 20. This isn't going to be close. Are you ready rock. for college football, man? You ready yes. for Clemson, Georgia? You ready for yes. Miami, Alabama? You ready for Penn state, Wisconsin? You ready for all that? Let's go. Yes. Let's Montana, go. Montana, You do. Let's do it. Some wazoo on Saturday night. Let's go. Who? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Brock, we appreciate it. How many moves, tomorrow. by the way, how many moves by tomorrow roster being set? If the Mariners, we had a two and a half, I think was the over under three trade deadline moves. They went over how many moves via trade legitimate kind of veteran from another place come in here. How many moves over under does John Schneider make today and then tomorrow? Well, it, it'll be next week because that's when they set their roster is right. Like the, fi- the final roster cuts aren't aren't today, are they? Well, I thought they had to set their roster. No, I think the roster cuts are by tomorrow. They have to set their uh, set They're their 53? roster. Cor- I believe so. I'm, I'm yes, maybe... the fifty three man deadlines tomorrow. Oh, yeah. no kidding! Oh, well, yeah. I was thinking that it was you still had a week, so they're just giving them a couple days. There'll be three guys that are not on the team now who will be on the team by the time the roster. Oh, I like that number. I like that number. I'll buy that number. All right, Brock. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you.